the bells are tolling. Calling all souls. Look at the candles reflected in my television screen. It's gorgeous and terrifying. It's like it's very eerie. Rainbow spiders. Oh, it is like rainbow spiders. Hold on. Let's oh god. Get, oh god. Oh god. Let's get spooky. Spooky. Ah. Spooky. Scary. Did you hear me click off the lamp no. in my apartment? It's a really nice apartment. I like it. I'm into it. Thank you. Thank you for saying so. Mm-hmm. I do want a piece of taxidermy. I think that's what this room is missing. Yeah, just a tasteful, dead no animal. bigger than a goose. Oh, that's actually fairly large. What kind of goose? A Canadian goose? A French yeah, goose? Yeah, well, just a smallish goose. A snow goose? A smallish goose. Do you want the goose itself or just like the goose head? <laughs> Ready to do this? Yep. <sighs> I'm Morgan. I'm Isabel. And this is Womance. A podcast about romance novels. About Jack the Ripper alikes. <laughs> Scalpel. About sketches. About financial ruin. About exposition. Uh, about camaraderie among servants. About more exposition. About hot, honey-colored, strangely hairless men. About exposition. But mostly, it's about that first thing. Romance, romance novels and ourselves. This week, we are talking about Dark Desires by Eve Silver. She's like Duke Silver, but not likable. Mm -mm. (laughs) Not a likable fictional character. Fucking harsh, dude. Yeah. So uh, you picked this one. I did. So I'll give us a brief synopsis. Tie it all together. All right. So we open in Whitechapel, London. During Jack the Ripper scare, but we don't know that it's called Jack the Ripper yet. Prostitutes are getting murdered. We meet sex workers. Thank you. We meet our main character, Darcy, spelled I-E, whatever. Whatever. And she is... Sure it is, Darcy. Not period appropriate. She is running to her one and last only hope. She's poor, she's destitute, and she's going for the one address on her envelope. Turns out... As to be expected, it's her hot older sister. Abigail, a.k.a. Mrs. Feather, a.k.a. brothel owner, who says, never come here again. Go to Dr. Damien Cole and tell him that I sent you and beware his secrets stay out of his work and basically don't fall in love yeah that's the implication that's deaf the implication so coincidence of coincidences she starts walking toward Hyde Park and almost gets run over by a carriage lo and behold the lord within who has sandy lion blonde hair total is like, dream boat Sorry, my carriage almost ran you over. What are you doing out so late? And why aren't you eating? And why are you wearing rags? And she's like, What is your deal, girl? And Damn. she's like, I'm going to Damien Cole's house, the doctor who lives on Corzon Street, which is heart in Spanish. Oh, do you think she did that on purpose? 
Gorbov? Yeah. <laughs> this book was written with a subtlety shovel. <laughs> So he's like, oh, wonder of wonders, miracle of miracles. I happen to be Dr. Damien Cole. I need a maid of all work because my last one disappeared mysteriously. Hold up because he's like, why do you want to see Dr. Cole? And she's like, my sister, Mrs. Feather, the whoremonger, said that her friend, Dr. Damien Cole, kind of owed her a favor. A massive favor. She doesn't know what it is. No. And he's like, oh. Oh, shit. I do owe that woman a favor. Sure thing, babe. Hop in. I need a maid of all work. Hmm. And then she hops in, and then there's a dead body across from her in the carriage. There sure are. He is an anatomist, which is scary. Which is a made-up job, girls. Girls, ladies, ladies. If you go on a Tinder date, and the man sitting across from you at the pasta restaurant says he is an anatomist. He's lying. That's a deal breaker. You tell him, I listen to Womance, and Morgan and Isabeau told me that is a made-up job. That's not a real job. That's not a real job. That basically means a Anatomist is the Victorian equivalent of having a baseball cap that says female body inspector. Ugh, God, gross. Anyway, <laughs> he's not really. He's not really. They get to his beautiful house on Corzone Street, Hart Street, and the butler hates her immediately because she walks through the front door rather than the back stairs. And another maid has to bring her her lunch on a tray. Because she's fancy and quality. And then, lo and behold, she is not just a maid of all work. She is a woman of quality fallen on hard times. Her family lost everything in an Atlantic storm. Her father was a speculator and merchant. And Her mom died from consumption. Right. The most gothic of diseases. It's a really good one. It's a really good one. Drowning in your own fluids. And you get so pale. And rosy cheeked. And people from the actually tried to mimic the look via cosmetics and putting belladonna in their pupils. Yep. So that you would always look young and corpse-like. And sparkly-eyed. Yep. So turns out that because of her fancy la-di-da education, she is an accomplished illustrator. And one day while she's supposed to be cleaning the master's study, she comes upon this workbook and is like, that leg looks wrong. And instead of leaving well enough alone, she fixes it. He finds the book and calls all of the servants into the kitchen and is like, who did this? She's like, don't worry, guys. I'm going to fall on the sword. She fucking fell on that sword and was like, it me. And he's like, great. You got a new job. You're going to get new digs. You're going to get new clothes. And you are just going to draw dead bodies for me because I'm dead good at cutting them so. I'm great at cutting them up, but I'm bad at putting them on paper. And then a lot of bullshit about how the medical arts and the art arts are not so different. It's a lot of pages. It's a lot of pages. It's a lot of obvious pages. Pages. And so lo and behold, By coincidence way, of at coincidence. This point, we're on page like 150. No, we're like on 250. This book spends so much time recapping itself. Oh my god. So lo and behold, they begin to this partnership, they fall in love. But he's mysterious. Too. Everyone's so suspicious of him. Could mostly, it be that he's the Whitechapel murderer? Mostly it's just our narrator who's suspicious No, of Mary, her pal's also suspicious. Yeah, that's like two people though, because everyone else is like, he's a good and guy. And also the police who arrest him on that's, suspicion twice. That's because A, his fucking scalpel was found at the scene of the yeah, crime. Yeah, people are suspicious that's that like he's the Whitechapel. <laughs> that's two 
two people in an entire institution of law enforcement. Obviously, Inspector Trent is not to be trusted because he's a mole-faced asshole. Where we he know is a representative of the police. That doesn't make me like him. That doesn't, but that makes him more than a lot of people are suspicious that he's the Whitechapel murderer. I so Morgan is uh, hammering on one of my biggest problems with this book, where it's like I understand that I am supposed to be suspicious of Damien Cole. Um, but you never get to be because it's a romance novel. No, I have been suspicious of terrible people in romance novels, and I've been suspicious Ooh. of heroes in romance novels, too. The original suspicion of Mr. Rochester is pretty emblematic. Oh. I mean, oh. This is no Mr. Rochester type book. No, it's clearly it has some serious problems, but I'm saying there's a long history in romance where you get to believe that the hero might actually be a murderer. And I think that's what was missing for me in this book is like, since the perspective is so inherently in Darcy, i.e. gross, and she's like, ah, oh, I think he might be bad news because he picked me up at night and Mary says that he's bad and my sister says that he has secrets. I bet he murders people he's out at night people deliver chests to him in the dark I'm scared I'm walking around and I'm like I'm walking around yeah I'm like Darcy like if you're scared stop walking around like fucking go back to bed hold still Darcy god I.E. I bet you fucking dot your eyes with a heart or a star you dummy she definitely dots her eyes with a heart she's like yeah so brave that's the other thing Yeah, there are a lot of things about this book, but mainly my first sticking point was like, everybody wants me to believe that Damien's bad, but like other than his name being the name of the devil, I'm like, I got nothing to go on here. I just didn't buy it because I was like, this is the first male we're meeting. He is obviously supposed to be the romantic hero. He cannot be Jack the Ripper. It would have been cool if he was, though. No, it wouldn't have. Here's the thing. (laughs) Did you see that like time travel cop show where it was like Jack the Ripper comes to our time via time travel and he's so sad sexy. No, what was that show called? I don't know. It made me so mad. Jack the Ripper isn't sexy. He's just killing sex workers. Whoever that person was was a horrible, wretched murderer and we shouldn't glorify them by making them a romantic hero. What is the Jack the Ripper thing? You're much more versed in both horror and ghost stories from your murder basement and uh, serial killers in general. You fucking love that shit. What is the lasting thing about Jack the Ripper? Because like this isn't the first time that someone has traded on that particular horror which is real to like Eve Silver Eve Silver does a bad job of it and I would like to do a systematic takedown we can but uh, I want to start because that's a really good question why does Jack the Ripper continue to capture our imagination I think there are a few reasons Mm -hmm. and I do think about this question of why true crime inhabits our psyches so much and titillates us and interests us I think in the case of Jack the Ripper part of it is we don't know who Jack the Ripper was like that mystery is able to persist. And I think part of true crime fascination is this fantasy of being the detective and thinking that you're going to like learn something or know something. Crack the case. Exactly. But I also think, and this is the part of true crime that I don't think it's unpacked often enough. In the case of Jack the Ripper, his victims were all sex workers. Mm-hmm. And for most of human history and continuing today, there is a moral problem air quotes with sex workers. Mm-hmm. Sex workers are considered the less dead in part because we feel like there's something morally wrong with being a sex worker. In a different way than we think something is like morally wrong with addicts or anything like that. Sex workers are often perceived as being like responsible for 
for a social ill mm-hmm. and an active participant. And uh, anyways, I think there's this like moralistic understanding of Jack the Ripper is like he didn't kill anyone who was of value mm. to society. And then I think the other thing is because we don't know who he is, it's a lot easier to glorify him and do things like make him the potential romantic hero of a romance novel or make him a sexy character in a time traveling cop show. And I don't think that ever gets unpacked enough. The fact that we really are able to glorify that Jack the Ripper, like in the case of Dahmer, you mm-hmm. know, or John Wayne Gacy, mm-hmm. seeing who the serial killer is, is always going to be a letdown because a serial killer you discover when you know who they are, they aren't superhuman. They aren't brilliant. They aren't interesting. They're sad, broken, unworthy of pity people. And that's not interesting. Jack the Ripper can remain a shadowy, interesting, mysterious figure for all time because they didn't arrest anyone for it. Yeah. And I mean, this book plays on a lot of Jack the Ripper tropes. Like he had to have medical training. He was likely someone who was frequenting Whitechapel in the mm-hmm. East End, looking for vulnerable women in particular. Looking is a generous reading of that. Hunting. He did not have to look. There were lots of desperate, vulnerable women in Whitechapel at the time. For sure. And also like- some deep cuts. Uh, Damien offers our heroine red grapes before they their first sexual encounter sprig of red grapes um that's a jack the ripper reference one of the women who was murdered underneath her body was a stem of a red grape and they knew that she could not afford that particular fruit on her own so they understood the killer to be someone of quality although like every point of the ripper case is arguable one of the things that i really love that you've just brought up is like this question of quality versus vulgar and like oh yeah that those are real terms that were definitely period appropriate that people use where it's like you're a person of quality if you can afford grapes or like if your hem isn't stained but you are a vulgar if you earn your living and I think yes. that rhetoric matters and like yes. it matters desperately in the case of this book but it also matters in terms of how we frame our narratives now and like that this is a yes. contemporaneous novel of our day a historical romance and the idea that like it is continuing to trade in this language that is period appropriate but I think like that none of the characters investigate that rhetoric yeah. is a failing of a contemporaneous yeah. historical novel. Well, this is probably another one of the reasons that Jack the Ripper continues to captivate that uh, Ted Bundy captivates in a way that Gacy and Dahmer do not. Mm-hmm. And it's the fact that their murders were of a sexual nature of women. And I think people are actually way more comfortable with that than they yeah. want to confront. Because violence just befalls women. I mean, yeah. passive voice, hardcore. Yeah. Like, oh, it's just you, a woman was sexually assaulted. A woman was murdered. It's yeah. like, who did it though? And like, what was done to her? Why are we using the passive voice to describe atrocious acts of violence, especially against women or vulnerable people in general? So I, I like that you point out this idea of quality versus vulgar, because I want to point out, although this book never says that they're talking about Jack the Ripper, mm-hmm one of the inconsistencies in tracing the form of Jack the Ripper onto this novel. And that's the fact that one of the women who is killed is employed by a house of ill repute. Mm -hmm. The women who were killed by Jack the Ripper were all working on the street. 
I think this is important because when you work in a brothel, you have some kind of organization, you have some kind of protection that women who work on the street do not. Mm-hmm. Your labor is regulated and protected in a way that women who work on the street, their labor was not regulated. Their labor was not protected. They were alone. They did not have standards mm-hmm. of protection. And I, I really dislike that in this book, that that was one of the anachronisms, was that one of the women killed worked in a brothel. Yeah, run by a character that we knew and also like cared for her girls because of her own backstory. Yeah, and the idea is like this particular character just left one night and there's never like an explanation. They're like, maybe the brothel owner was preoccupied with this other procedure that was happening that Damien Cole was performing in her brothel on one of her employees. But that doesn't make any sense, you know? Also this idea that he acquired girls to murder. Mm -hmm. That is a thing that happens in this world, but is not true of the Ripper mythos. And like the whole thing is like really out of order. Like they just kill her dad instead of her. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make sense. Uh, It doesn't make sense that he killed a sex worker who was operating on the street and then a sex worker who worked in a brothel. And then he also bought a virgin. Like it just, none of it makes sense. And it's just this like. And then he started in Edinburgh and then it's like, there's no reason to link Jack the Ripper. Well, there are. Oh God. There are theories. There are theories that link Jack the Ripper to Chicago. What? Yes. Oh my God. Why? John C. Singer Sargent's a big part of it. Oh! And H.H. Holmes. Very, very good exhibition. God, that's what everyone says. It was really good. (laughs) His portraits were shown at the Art Institute, a collection of Gilded Age portraits of women. And others. He famously said when he died, I know who Jack the Ripper is. Oh, no, he didn't. Yeah, he did. I mean, I'm sure he said that, but like, I don't think he knew. Well, people have theorized a number of people that he knew personally. Well, he knew a Uh, lot of people. But people also pointed out that John Singer Sargent left London right around the time the Ripper killing stopped. He came to Chicago right mm-hmm. around the time H.H. H. Holmes started. Hmm. I had a whole I, theory I mean, when I went through wrong. the whole thing, but like, it seems to me that John Singer Sargent was also very, based on his portraiture and his patron, it's like he was deeply in love with his patron. It was very sad. Anyway, it's my pet theory about John Singer Sargent, closeted gay man. Not at all related to Jack the Ripper. <laughs> not at all. But as somebody who's like not indoctrinated into a murder indoctrinated (laughs) into like the denizens of like I don't like to be scared I do find serial killers really terrifying I've never like been a Jack the Ripper fan even in the sense that like it's titillating to think about this book I can see its project and I was like not persuaded I mean I'm a fan not a fan yeah no I know what you mean I'm, I'm interested in this stuff yeah I'm also scared but as we talked about earlier being scared is a different experience for me than for you. Yep. But uh, yeah, I also was unconvinced by the project of this book. And I have to say, mm-hmm. a big part of that is not the anachronisms. Mm-mm. It's not the problematic dichotomies. It is all the fucking exposition in this book. You know, Morgan, I, I have to tell you a secret. I've actually had this book in my back pocket for over two years and I've tried to read it twice. This is my third time finally completing it because it's motherfucking boring. There's so much unnecessary repetition. I'm like, I just don't give a fuck. I know all of this stuff that you're telling me right now. Listeners, it's a stormy night it's in Chicago. It's Sturm and Drang. It's the perfect time to be recording a Halloween podcast. It was a dark and stormy night for Morgan and Isabel. <laughs>
what the like it's just constantly repeating itself and also it's very obvious it was like on page 30 that i wrote if he's just a surgeon and she's just doing anatomical drawings for him mm-hmm. i'm going to be very upset well guess what i'm very <laughs> upset i think that's fair and i think like this gets to the book is just really problematic in lots of big ways but it's also problematic in lots of like little benign ways that it's actually just boring it's boring and also the dialogue is that overwrought joke dialogue that people who make assumptions about the genre this is what they think is happening for sure my phone's on one percent but i want to read something oh my god you need to plug in your phone so at one point she encounters two cockneys is that is that derogatory sounds fucking derogatory (laughs) i don't want to like stake my reputation on it but it doesn't sound positive hey now obi looks as though the doctor got himself a trouble and strife He's Australian. Trouble and Strife is italics in the book. Nah, Jack. He ain't married. You know it. Perfect. Now we know what Trouble and Strife means. It was in italics. He says he's married. Rhymes with wife. This is how the book says it. Darcy shook her head as she recognized the rhyming street cant often heard in Whitechapel. Trouble and Strife was slang term for a wife. It's not slang if it's not shortened. Exactly. Here we go. We got some more. That brings up an important point, but I want to read some of this actual dialogue. Between her and Damien. Then her eyes fell on the miniature of the dark-haired girl, and a great sadness washed over her. While she had shared her deepest secrets with him, he had shared nothing of himself with her. With that realization came comprehension of the thickness of the walls he had built around himself. Dry-eyed now, Darcy sat in Damien's embrace, her heart ringing silent tears. <laughs> For her lack of ability to offer him comfort. To ease his pain as he had eased hers. She had offered him her trust, but he had denied her his. So where then did that leave them? Okay, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. This author thinks her readers are dumb. She treats us like dummies. She has that very clear explanation of trouble and strife means wife. And Mm -hmm. like if she had just left it at that, we would have been like, okay, these chest carriers are cockney. Mm -hmm. And we can make some note about how Darcy understood what they were saying. For sure. We could have fucking picked up some inferences here. However, the author does assume the intelligence of her characters and respects the intelligence of her characters. I don't think she thinks her readers are dumb. I think she just like wants to explain everything to the nth degree and I think that's a real problem where it's like why does she want to do that I think it's because she doesn't trust her readers it's not that we're dumb because she thinks we're dumb I don't think Eve Silver thinks her readers are dumb I felt talked down to the thing that makes me think that she thinks I'm dumb is how she treats her characters in a very different way for example Mary 
mm-hmm. the other maid of all work. Yes. When I first was introduced to Mary, I was like, okay, great. We have another dumb colonized maid mm-hmm. character in a romance novel. But Mary is respected. And at one point, Darcy says, if you really believe that Damien is a bad person, why do you continue to work for him? And then Darcy realizes the error of her ways because she's like, yeah, you can't just like quit a job without a reference. And Darcy immediately apologizes to Mary. Yeah. And sees the forlornness in Mary's eye. Like that to me is like respectful of the choices of the characters Mm -hmm. in a way that assumes they are thinking things through, Mm -hmm. that they're intelligent, that they are not making dumb choices. The fact that she explains everything. Literally everything. Four times. At least. To her readers. I think she thinks we're dumb. I think it's like an ignorance thing where it's like we've never read a historical romance novel or like we've never investigated anything about Jack the Ripper or just like haven't colloquially picked anything up. And like I think one of the things that was most affecting for me about this book was the relationship of Mary and like the entirety of this assault where she's been choked almost to death and she says to Darcy, i.e., don't tell anyone. Yeah. And that felt so true and so investigated and Mm -hmm. like Darcy's conundrum around having a growing trust and relationship with Damien and wanting to tell him that one of his servants has been so severely abused but also wanting to respect Mary's choice and her promise and like that felt so relatable and like the thing that I will give Eve Silver is like I thought the sex scenes were good and I oh man yes I really appreciated that we had a virginal deflowering that didn't have any pain yeah and was like and it didn't hurt yeah. Didn't make a thing. No, the sex scenes in this book came out of left field for me. <laughs> 200 pages in. I was bored out of my fucking wits. Yep. And then suddenly a light breaks through the clouds and it is the sex scenes in this book. Totally. I think like Eve Silver cut her teeth <sighs> on sex scenes. Yeah. Because like the rest of the like the surrounding plot that's essentially getting you from sex scene to sex scene is like dumpster fire slog oh my god it's exhausting but the sex scenes are a hot they move the story forward and they explain to me a lot about both of these characters yeah yes they explain to me a lot about both of the characters you realize nuances about them that Mm -hmm. have not for all of her exposition been clarified for sure like we're always told like after living in Whitechapel I could not turn my eyes from the truth of the world but it's not until she actually gets down with Damien that you're like okay she's like open minded she's down to clown she's a worldly gal up until that point it was just like a bunch of like flowery hooey yeah and there's some real one liners where like he invites her to stay the night in his bed and she's like no I'm gonna go back to my own fucking (gasps) room and he's like the world be damned and she's like no sweetheart it would be me yeah I'm like you can say and the book explicitly says like easy for him to say exactly. right ladies yeah and ladies we collectively say right you're right but the thing is god they're so good and the rest of the book it's is so such bad. trash wet garbage <laughs> wet garbage I think it could have been forgiven a lot of its problems if it wasn't boring god I'm coming down like really hard you're coming down real hard but like I get it I tried to read this this is the third time I've attempted and like I only did it for the podcast because if it hadn't been for the podcast this would have been a did not finish for me a dnf because like jesus christ i've tried so many times it's did you ever make it boring. to the first sex scene i always skip to the first sex scene oh, okay because if a book is really terrible and i'll be like let me see how the sex scene 
is. I'll rate whether or not the first sex scene is any good and then I'll like try Mm -hmm. for the rest of it because like sometimes authors have a throat clearing period and I'll give you 80 pages to clear your throat because sometimes like that's worth it. Other times it's like you're really just farting in my face and I don't appreciate it because I don't want to get pink eye. You know, here's the thing about throat clearing. Mm. You're a (laughs) professional. (laughs) Yeah, but like, you know. Mariah Carey doesn't come out on stage and go, (laughs) 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 What do you call glitter? Totally different. (laughs) That was a failed artistic exercise. And it wasn't failed. I like glitter. There I said it. I liked glitter and I didn't like this book. Think about it. I will. For me, glitter, she swung for the fences. She took a chance. She overexerted herself and was not able to give the full commitment to the picture that it deserved. And uh, the soundtrack is still dope. And I would say Carly Rae Jepsen's sound doesn't exist without glitter's soundtrack. Hmm. Uh, Glitter's a fraught space for me. (laughs) I'm sorry. I didn't didn't think I'd bring up a doozy, but... You brought up a doozy. You really did. (laughs) My apologies, friend. But I think I get frustrated. A lot of stuff's coming to the fore. I get frustrated with the genre because there is so much forgiveness of the authors. Mm. And I think if we held them up to the standard that they frankly deserve to be held to, mm-hmm. we get way better writing. Yeah, I, I mean, I think like the difference between an Eve Silver and like a Courtney Milan or a Tessa Dare is craft, right? And yeah. like one of like, you find these weird ass books for us, but like Robin Schoen wrote Awaken My Love in 1995 as her very first, first novel. book. And that thing is tight. It's terrifying and awful in lots of ways. But like, boy, that book is tight. And it's really good. And it is really scary at times. Yeah, but this book is never scary. The times that it is scary is stupid. Is it scary? There were the times that it's trying to be scary. Yeah, I didn't think those were scary parts. No. But like... <laughs> like, what's a scary part for you? That you're like, this is also stupid. Like, I was, like, the red herrings. Like, so she drops, like, Poole the butler as a potential assaulter of Mary. And, like, I think that became scarier for me than it was meant in the book because I'm like, here is an actual person who's actually harming vulnerable people under his employ. Yeah. And no one's doing anything about it and Damien's so absent that, like, more people will continue to be hurt. Yeah, but that wasn't a scary part of the book. You understood it as scary for reasons other than what the book was trying to show you. Yeah, I was reading into that red herring. And it and it was only scary in the way that like women who are vulnerable elicit any kind of fear in others or should. You know, where it's like, ooh, like fucking somebody needs to fucking fix this. Yeah. So no, this book tried to be scary and wasn't. This book tried to be gothic and wasn't. Wasn't. Tried to be romantic and wasn't. Also, there were times where I have in my tried margin to- note where I'm like, am I supposed to read Damien on the spectrum? Because like she's always like, does he love me? How do I ask? How do I know? And then she's like, why did you choose me and he's like I don't know I wanted you I like that's yeah, the answer it, that was also really interesting his responses felt more true to life than romance novel totally because have you ever tried to elicit a romance novel worthy compliment from a man it's gonna go exactly as it went for Darcy with an IE it's gonna be like I don't know I don't like you better than other ladies yeah I wanted you I like your I like you you and she was like but there are other women who are smarter and more beautiful than me and he's like yeah but I want you 
Yeah, that's like exactly what he says. He's like, and that's exactly what you're gonna get. <laughs> and he's like, if I could have, if I could describe what it was, then maybe I could have guarded against it. Yeah, if I actually got it, like we wouldn't be boning right now because you're in my M play and I'm taking advantage of it. However, you. the sex scenes try to be sexy and they succeed. They do. They're really good. And Although then, she does that like description of an orgasm that's like shattering into a million stars. Yeah. That I'm like, I mean, I get it, but it's like a little overdone. Also, number one problem with the sex scenes. He's an anatomist slash disbarred doctor. Yeah. Guess who's not pulling out or using any kind of contraception? This guy. This guy. He would know better. And we know that he's fertile and she's fertile because in the epilogue, they have a baby. Immediately. 12 months. Also, we see three scenes of abortion in this book. This book elects to say 12 months later instead of one year later. That is this book in a nutshell. Also, three abortions in 800 pages and no contraception. Mm-hmm. He's a fucking anatomist. Yeah, he's a rat bastard. Yeah, he like just straight up comes in her all the time. And I'm and like, I, this isn't what he would do, especially because his sister died in a back alley abortion. Yeah, and I kind of wish that hadn't been his sister and that had been his lover. Me too. Me too. I was super disappointed. That would have made the book 20% more interesting. At least. Anyways. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> He doesn't even pull out. You're right. I think she wrote three and a half sex scenes Mm -hmm. and she was like, I need to build a book around it. Yeah. And then just built a book around it in a way that was really distracting and poor craftsmanship. And I felt like she wrote a book that was 150 pages and then went back and created the other 200 out of thin air. Just repetition. It's just so repetitive. The exposition is so swampy. And it like happens all the time. Like exposition should really be at the beginning. And you can have a little bit in the middle if you've got a deep, dark trauma. But like other than that, nah, y'all. You fucking get that shit done and then you move the plot along. It is constant. It is oppressive. It reveals nothing new, and yet it keeps appearing. I wanted to like this book because it's got a really good cover. I wanted to like this book because uh, it's October. It's Spooktober. I wanted to like... Spooktober? It's a gothic romance. Morgan loves gothic romance. Like gothic anything. And this was just a real uh, pumpkin dud. Just real nothing inside. It was a drag. It was hard to read. Sex scenes were very good. They were very good. Weirdest part for you, Isabeau? I mean, the coming inside of her as a doctor who had not only lamented the death of his sister and then blamed himself, even though he did not impregnate her and did not coerce her into getting a back alley abortion. Like, she didn't trust him enough to help her. So the fact that he's like, I'm just going to, like, free ball it. I was like, that feels weird, especially since (laughs) he then attended to the madam of the brothel's girls who were in a bad way and like performed therapeutic abortions and like also cleaned up after bad people like you know hurt women like I wanted to like this book for what it was saying about abortion access and like reproductive care I thought that was really important but it was like so uneven that there was no way that I could latch on to that where it's like well they all know that this is a truth of the experience of being a sexually active adult and yet no one is doing anything to prevent pregnancy so then how am I supposed to read these two things together they're just like so taken away by their bodies but like even then there's not even a discussion about like I'm so sorry I came in you and like we should talk about maybe getting you some penny royal or like whatever to prevent conception it's just like that felt so inauthentic to the characters and their experiences like it was lazy and that was my weirdest part I guess 
Yeah, I get that. Um, I mean, like, weirdest part besides all the other stuff we've talked about so far. Yeah, or, like, the revelation of who Jack the Ripper is. Here's the thing. Girl is the victim of her stepfather's, a.k.a. Steppy's, alcoholism. Pause. Pause. Can we just, like, take a breath to recognize that she's been calling her stepfather Steppy her whole life? Steppy, S-T-E-P-P-Y. I-E. I wish it was I-E. That at least would have been consistent. Is it not I-E? No, it's Y. This book is not internally consistent. So anyways, early in her relationship with Damien, she thinks he's an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And she confronts him and says, because you drink her spirits there, she had said it. You can choose to stop. (laughs) Uh, But for me, ultimately, the weirdest part, Mm -hmm. the preferred terminology for the female anatomy, Mm -hmm. wet folds, Mm. wet folds around her feminine core. You've heard that term before. I feel like this isn't the first time we've encountered this wet fold. Was the only term. <laughs> That's true. If I see wet folds once, fine. Shame on you. <laughs> if I see wet folds 18 times, I start to think about my own body differently and I don't like it. It's like, am I an accordion? Wet folds what folds i think about like when an eel is making a turn <laughs> and its little tummy oh scrunches God. up yeah that's what it looks like that's wet, a, folds. wet folds that's a wet fold it's like sheep in the rain it's a wet sheep fold. sheep in the rain a wet fold <laughs> when you've been at the laundromat forever <laughs> and you take fold. it out of your dryer and it's still damp and you fold it it's a wet fold that's a wet fold and it's also around her feminine core I hate anything that refers to like the core of your corporeal being. I'm like, it's just a sleeve, honey buns. Like it's a part of me, but it's not like sheathed. Sheath is better, I guess. You know what? It's especially since we already used quality as a term for aristocracy. We'd already used vulgar as a term for non-aristocracy. We'd been introduced to cockney and other terminology that's contemporaneous of the time period. Why can't we just say cunny? Cunny's nice. Cunny's time period. Let's just like say it. Or just say vagina or labia or vulva. Yeah. My dude's a fucking anatomist. Yeah, exactly. And he never uses the technical terms. Does he use any term at all? I don't know. I've never been with anyone who is anatomist adjacent. (laughs) The person I've mostly been with got a D in bowling once. (laughs) (laughs) That's anatomist adjacent. Anatomist being the fake job. Heard via penthouse forum etc that's not true i have heard that people who work in professions that are anatomist adjacent tend to use the proper terminology in their lovemaking and their dirty talk you're looking at me as though i can attest I can attest. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. Wet folds. Yeesh. Yeah, it's not a good one. Which sucks because the sex scenes are the best part of this book. And then I have to read the term wet folds. Do you know how she referred to the male anatomy? What? Rod. Rod. She did. It wasn't just rod, though. It was rigid rod. Rigid like, rod. Her buttocks was described as the soft globe of her buttocks. And he put his hand on the soft globe of her buttocks when they were making out when he was in prison. I wanted them to have sex so bad in jail. And when they didn't, I felt really irked. (laughs) 
cheated. I was like, you got 15 minutes. Fucking do it against the door. With her hands on the bars and she's yeah. bent over. Why am I, I like, even? It wasn't necessary, but she threw the picnic pants <laughs> into the ground. Yeah, I threw it on the ground. Like that was a real Mr. Opportunity of this book where I'm like, Eve Silver, what you're good at is sex scenes. Fucking give me all of them. Do then. more. Do more. Yeah, this book would have been way better. As an erotica, frankly. Yeah, frankly. Sexiest part. Sexiest sex part. The first sex scene was really good. The scene at the door with the grapes I thought was super sexy when she's like, I should go back to bed. And he's like, yeah, you, you should. should. And I was like, I loved that. The yeah. thing that I can't get over in these sex scenes though, his chest is entirely hairless. She's making love to a Ken doll. When was this book published? I don't know. Will you check? I'll check. Because that was the cool thing in the early aughts. Oh God. Chest hair has only made a comeback recently. Mm. 2005. Perfect. Jesus Christ. That was it. That was it. Manscaping. Do you remember they called it manscaping? Yeah, but like all the and chest everybody hair? was into it. Why is he like a dolphin? Some men just can't grow chest hair. Sure. I believe that's true. But like. And they're like, still sexy. Yes. <laughs> I literally mm. went on a rant once for two and a half hours about how liking a bald pussy is like very disgusting and you did that really recently yeah and it uh, wasn't that long ago I said once not forever ago okay I mean I still think it's true and I think that's why it's partially unconvincing for me to say that a hairless male body can be sexy I mean I agree like if you can't grow chest hair fine but like that this was here's this- the thing everyone can grow pubes well no hold on I don't want to say everyone. Anybody who can should maybe attempt. The thing with chest human beings can. (laughs) The thing with chest hair in this book in particular, it's like he's described as so manly. His lion hair mane and like all this other stuff. And so then to have an entirely hairless chest that is constantly in candlelight is like dripping wax or made of marble. I'm like, my dude is six foot three. He's got motherfucking hair on his chest. Like, why are we pretending like he doesn't? And if he's shaving it, It why is he doing it? It was hot potatoes in 2005. I was making out with people in 2005 and I didn't think it was hot potatoes. Was I making out with people in 2005? I was 17. How old was I? (laughs) It was nine plus five. I was 14. I was making out with people. They did not have they chest hair. They did not have chest hair. <laughs> Listen, hmm. sexiest part for me, besides the first sex scene, which is the hottest sex scene. It's really good. At it one point, she like hears him come in at night. She's like, what's he doing? Murder stuff. And she watches him take off a bloody shirt and mm-hmm. throw it into the fire. And mm-hmm. she's like, cool, whatever. Now he's shirtless. And she watches him slowly wash himself. And his pants are down low around his hips. Because he's unfastened them. He's unfastened them and it's just like in the firelight and it's like most of the stuff that you've got beef with but it is also very nice it's very hot at one point he like puts his fingertips down the front of his pants yeah rivlets Uh, weirdest part for me like other than all the stuff that we've already described and my other weirdest part I've got a second weirdest part it's his like maybe being psychic right because in that scene he looks into the shadows of the door corridor and like maybe sees her and then there are like three other times where she's watching him clandestinely and then he like looks into the darkened windows and sees her three feet back and it's like it happens so many times also the fact that his carriage just almost hits her whenever she's on her way to find him and everybody's like he's got a preternatural 
preternatural sense. And I'm like, yeah. does he? Does he? What's the preternatural sense? Is he psychic or does he have anything else? What's, maybe it's is just he a werewolf. Yeah. Part of me was like, well, maybe it's like a faded pairs thing. But then another part of me was like, well, other people think he's psychic. Yeah. So, so it can't be faded pairs. Yeah. Yeah. That was a loose end that never went anywhere that I really wanted to go somewhere. <sighs> do you know what we should do? We should publish the exact page ranges to read in this book that are sexy. That's a great idea. We that should, should put be it on our the website. Blood. Yeah. Let's put it on our website. Womanspodcast.com. You can actually get this book for free on Amazon Kindle Gang, and then you can beat off to it. Because that's really all it's good for. That's all it's good for. Which, does that make it a womance or a nomance? This is a nomance for me. That's a nomance, but definitely fill out the the deposit slip. (laughs) Go ahead. Sign your name on the dotted line, and then stop by your spank bank. On and, this one. Yeah, it's a good one to like touch yourself to on a rainy Saturday afternoon. Mm. Loosen your stays. But never your principles. Mwah! Indeed. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Womance. All editing and music is done by Nick Gravelin. Our logo is by Mary Reichman. And our webmistress is Jane Bonzak. They're the best. Feeling woeful about having to wait a whole week for more Womance? Well, cheer up, Buttercup. You can creep or connect with us on Instagram, Twitter, or our website. Our webpage is womancepod.com. If you prefer to be more verbose and or direct, why not send us an email? We're womancemail at gmail.com, and we can't wait to hear from you. In the meantime, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast listening app. Until next week. <laughs>